What's good, everybody? This episode of the podcast is sponsored by DistroKid. They are the go-to for digital music distribution and the easiest way for musicians to get your music onto Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, TikTok, YouTube, and more. They offer unlimited uploads, and artists keep 100% of their earnings in stores 10 to 20 times faster than any other distributor. Fastest payouts. They help out with automatic splits, cover song clearance, and all kinds of other amazing tools and templates to help you get the most visibility for your releases. I dig this company and really appreciate their business model that offers more features than any other distributor at the most affordable price possible for solo musicians, bands, studio artists, DJs, and any other creators that are producing music in their home. And they also offer label services as well. They're distributing over a third of the world's digital music at this point. And the best part about DistroKid sponsoring the podcast is that they are offering Dan Cable Presents listeners 30% off your first year of membership, making their already affordable services even cheaper. Check out the link in the episode notes. I will also put it in my Instagram bio in the link tree. Click that link and it will give you 30% off your first year of service. Super stoked to have DistroKid sponsoring the podcast and can't thank them enough for their support of this thing. This episode of the podcast is also sponsored by Produce Row Cafe in Portland, Oregon. This spot offers free live music every Thursday night throughout the summer from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. and Sunday brunch tunes from noon to 2 p.m. with DJs spinning vinyl. Lots of dance parties both day and night are on the summer calendar as well, featuring events from Global Based and other promoters. They are located in inner southeast Portland, and aside from offering free music every week on their patio, they've got a killer brunch menu on Saturdays and Sundays. The Migas and the breakfast sandwich are lights out, and the lunch and dinner menu doesn't slack either. Come through and check out some tunes over there at Produce Row Cafe, as well as their new summer seasonal cocktail menu. This is a great spot to grab some food and some drinks and enjoy some tunes with friends or family. Appreciate Produce Row being a supporter of the podcast and the local Portland music community. Now let's start the show. What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dan Cable Presents Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the program once again. If this is your first time listening, thanks for checking out the show. You can find fresh episodes coming at you every Tuesday. And if you want to help support this thing in a free way, you can do so by clicking subscribe on iTunes, clicking write a review, giving the podcast five stars if you feel like it is deserving of so, and that will help propel this thing into the tops of those iTunes charts, which will give it more visibility on the national and international levels, helping strangers find the podcast in just a great way to contribute to the growth and sustainability of this thing. Appreciate the hell out of all the folks that have already taken the time to leave those reviews. If you're not listening on Apple, just hit like, follow, subscribe, wherever you are listening from. 
tell a friend about the podcast, share it somewhere. You can also check out the monthly playlist that I've been putting out every first of the month. Those are available on Spotify and Apple. Links for those in the episode notes. And uh, trying to keep those pretty spread out. I would say it's uh, it's kind of a snapshot of what I'm listening to throughout the month and things that are making it into my DJ sets, things of that nature. So those are available and I'm stoked to get into episode 325. Something something Brax is on the show, Portland-based rapper, a crafty lyricist, a bar spitter, and a killer performer. Great time hanging with Brax and getting to know him, where his music comes from. I thought he uh, had some really good things to say around the creative process and coming up. And he mentioned something along the lines of the importance of whimsical pursuits or activities or stuff that uh, doing things that tap into something whimsical, which hit hard. I think that's one of the reasons that even at 37, I've continued to go after things or even do something like this podcast for seven years. I remember hearing Kevin Smith on a podcast probably 10 to 12 years ago, long before I had a podcast, and he talked about the importance of chasing whimsies and surrounding yourself with some yes people or why not people, and not to the degree where you are creating delusions for yourself and surrounding yourself with a bunch of people that are blowing smoke or helping you maintain that delusion, but more about people that were supportive of chasing dreams and pursuing whimsies alongside you or uh, just excited about it. And that's always something that's really stuck with me heavy and was a great motivator for, I think, me becoming whoever I am at, at this point, I think, and having this list of goals or things that I wanted to do when I sort of reset my life here in Portland nearly 10 years ago. So, I, I really dug hanging and chatting with Brax. His lyrics are so dope, and I dig the selection of beats that he went with on his new record, Sunshine and Lollipops, which is available now. It was mixed and mastered by Old Grape God, a.k.a. Tron, who was brought up in this chat multiple times. Grape God is also a former guest of the podcast, and that was such a great chat I had with him a year or so ago. And if you're new to the show and you dig the episode, travel back in time, tap into some of those old chats with people mentioned in this episode, Spinach, Yuck God, and outside of that circle as well, Vanport episode from last week, Portland-based DJ and producer, that was a solid one, but basically anyone that is mentioned in this episode, you should check out their music, and uh, I'm here doing this thing every week talking with an artist or someone in the music sphere and before we get into this episode let me hit you with a couple calendar dates to put into your head and then we'll jump into this conversation with something something brax first off a beat happening as two more events coming up at produce row the first one is september 25th 3 p.m to 6 p.m and the other one is october 23rd 3 p.m to 6 p.m they're all ages they're free events, so come through for those. Also, Hungry Hungry Hip Hop is where I saw Brax's album release show, and that's a monthly hip hop showcase at Mississippi Pizza, the Atlantis Lounge, put on by my goons who are past guests of the podcast. So make sure you tap into Hungry Hungry Hip Hop if you are new to the 
the Portland music scene and support Mississippi Pizza because uh, they are good to the local artists. And lastly, High Pulp. I'm going back on the road with uh, with High Pulp doing their tour managing. And uh, the end of our tour ends in the Pacific Northwest with a Portland and Seattle show. I'm leaving for two weeks on Saturday, and I will be back October 2nd for High Pulp at the Fixin' 2 with Cult Crimes and the before-mentioned Yuck God. So uh, get with that. I'd love to pack that place out for them. If you're not familiar with High Pulp, check out their recent KEXP performance, which uh, they did at the end of our spring nationwide tour. And that is all my ramblings. Brax did uh, want me to mention he was trying to think of a song during this conversation that influenced one of the jams we talk about. And the track he was trying to think of was Lonnie Holly's Looking for All. So if you want to uh, dive into that for some reference for what he's speaking to there. And uh, that's it. All the links for Brax will be in the episode notes as well. And we're going to get into episode 325. Something Something Brax is on the podcast. And we're going to kick it off with one of my favorite tracks from his Sunshine and Lollipops record. It's called Unicorn Redux. Let's do the damn thing. As the smoke fills apartments and trees killed by gas powder They telling me to vote harder, chant louder Despite the fact the coast is a thousand miles of embers You gotta least achieve calm, please check your temper Notice omens of a life that's not so hopeless That could pop off once we focused on atonement About to go until them posted growing Floating in lotus posing Let me show them what mode I'm in I need non-exploited Permit mine cobalt for my green tech and free range vegan sheep death for my v neck. My aura dipped in butter like cookies in the blue tin box. Pushing more styles than TNA in the mid eyes. I still go to work. My sweatpants, the uniform. Play my position and excel like a unicorn. Yeah, think I'm Nikola Jokic. I'm bum my band split, but still stoked that we close knit. What you bumping? That's something, something Either crying or he's reading or he's crumping Plus um, he cherishes people like his copy of the cold vein And if you try to touch him as a stranger, he's like, go away Show respect, come correct and give an elbow dab Joints and space is personal, we shouldn't have to tell you that If you're with the protocol, all will be rosy But if you violate me, disgrace like Sarkozy Bars on me Man, you ready to you ready to do this, Brax? Let's do it. Something, something. <laughs> that's a. I feel like that's such a like great part of your live show is that even if you are new to seeing you perform by the by the end, you're probably going to be participating in these <laughs> uh, crowd chants of something, something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've always tried to do that because um, I've never been like a. Uh, say hip hop type, yeah. of, type of dude but I like to do something where it's like I do it so often that it's like oh you kind of pick up that like I'm supposed to do this too so I used to do yeah. that in my old crew oh we call the breakfast boys leisurely and I always just hit the breakfast for lunch and then everyone else would yell back at me breakfast for dinner <laughs> I feel like that's like the uh, my first knowings of you came from having spinach on the podcast for the first time okay. like just getting 
familiar with that crew of people. And then I was at uh, the Garbage Men play with like Julia Logue and Doink not too long ago at Alberta Street Pub. Garbage Men. Uh, it's like Yuck's project with with sam and oh and, yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah yeah I, I played on that show <laughs> yeah yeah okay so i was like the first time i ever saw you okay. perform live at all you were just like freestyling with yeah. uh like spinach and raf yes and all of them so yes. that was the, that was the first time i actually got to like see you do something on Tight. stage do you know that you booked me in like 2019 no yeah you helped or you helped i was on we me and tron did a little West Coast tour and you helped us book our Portland spot. No way. Via email. Before I, I mean, I had never met you. Spinach was like, "Oh, you should have Dan." I was like, okay. "No way." Yeah, it was at the spot. It's not. It doesn't exist anymore. But the, but the basement. Oh, the library. The library. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. I remember. I remember that. Yeah. Man, that yeah, that was a, uh, that was a spot that I was uh, very sad to see go. That was yeah. like a very fun vibe down there. Yes, I, I love. I loved the one. The one time I got to play. Yeah. There. But uh, yeah, dude. Like, what's your what's your entry point in the music, and where did you grow up? Yeah, I grew up in Springfield, Oregon. Oh, oh. here we go. We're fucking. You're getting the full experience. Full experience. See, this is what happens when you record at your own house. Damn. You can ruin your own stuff. I can ruin my (laughs) own stuff. Do you want to take a pause? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Require. It's gonna require a pause. Bro, the, when I was at Mississippi the other day, I literally had got everything set up and went to get my drink and just knocked it over. <laughs> had to move the TV real quick. All right. Spill is cleaned up. All right. Um, yeah. Talk to me about where you grew up and just like entry point into into music. Yeah. I, like I said, I grew up in uh, Springfield, Oregon, which is uh, by Eugene. It's like this next city over. Um, but it's very different than Eugene if you've ever been there. Um, small town. And in terms of like music, I was just like kind of obsessed with it, like from as a listening standpoint, from as long as I can remember. My household was it wasn't like a, a non music household. Like, like you know, there's always music playing, but it, I don't really feel like. Like, my mom listened to the radio a lot. You know what I mean? It yeah. wasn't like she's like playing records and shit. Like, she definitely had stuff that she liked honestly almost none of it had like a real impact on me um i got into rap via i think probably my cousin um and then just like watching bt and mtv jams and shit like that as a kid and got just hella into rap and that's pretty much the only thing i listened to from like the second i could like seek out my own music until like middle of high school probably um so yeah that's probably my entry point in music is just being obsessed as a listener like i was on all the forums i was lurking underground hiphop.com i was heavy like limewire bear share type shit just ripping everything watching oh, yeah. like sprinting home from school to watch rap city the basement type shit you were you were digging <laughs> yeah i mean I in, the, got in to that, that form though For like sure. of just like scouring the internet you like you were super curious about like finding yeah new stuff and like kind of like developed your own 
library of music yes. pr- from a pretty early age. Definitely, I would say like so. I I can al- I always remember like the first my I was in first grade and I had a little Walkman with a burnt CD on it and I had two songs on it like back to back to back to back to back until like it ran out of time and it was still Fly by the Big Timers and Oh Boy by Cameron. Um, and I just like listened to that shit every single day. And then I was like, oh, I really like rap music. This is my thing. And so it's like I used to go to my grandma's house and like when she wasn't around, download shit on bear shit because I wasn't supposed to listen to music with curse words. In it. So I was just downloading anything I could, anything I saw on TV or anything my cousin had put me on to. And just like hiding the CDs and like wiping her fucking bear share yeah. clean before she like could come notice it <laughs> i got caught eventually but um just that's kind of how it got started for me i'm assuming you weren't finding like oh like outside of your your cousin putting you on to shit like you weren't finding a whole lot of like culture there in springfield no not really <laughs> like other people that were like <laughs> uh, i mean so i grew up playing basketball too so it's like they're like a lot of my friends from a pretty early age were like into rap and shit too just because like i feel like at that time like i'm you know i'm 30 so, like, at that time, it was, like, the time of Anne One, and it was, like, the time of, like, Allen Iverson. So, it's, like, okay. I feel like basketball and, and rap are pretty married. So, it wasn't, like, you know, Springfield as a whole was a place where you could, like, meet a hell of people who were into that shit. But you could definitely find, like, I had a good friend group who were, you know, we were putting each other onto music and shit from a pretty early, probably not quite elementary school young, but, like, yeah. by middle school, I definitely had homies who were, like, we were all putting each other onto shit. Did you watch that Anne One? untold stories yeah the one that's on uh because there's two that came out pretty recently there's yeah. the one that's on netflix and yeah. then there's the one that was like a 30 for 30 yeah i think i've seen both yeah both of them were very great yeah it's like crazy <laughs> to see like how that stuff actually went down and like i didn't realize the professor was from here you didn't no because oh, <laughs> oh, you're not from here yeah, 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 yeah. I was, that was like legendary <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing and then it's like a bummer though to hear like you know some of the players who were like some of the like the you know i for lack of a better word like the lower tier players who are like yeah. man we we helped make millions on millions of dollars Absolutely. and we got fucking pizza yeah <laughs> i was like fuck seems like a uh, a common story yeah for sure <laughs> yeah it was uh yeah just even seeing how they were talking about how it like has impacted what the nba is today you know and the flashiness of it and just like some of those moves entering in and it was a it was a trip to go through that just because I remember like those and one day is like heavy yeah, just oh, yeah. like those mixtapes going around or them playing them on like certain stations and shit. But were there anybody else around you that was actually pursuing music in any form? Like early on high school when you start by, by high school for sure. Okay, for sure. So my my homie Omar who was like from New Mexico, but he moved to to Springfield like in eighth grade. He was really into like smack DVD shit and like do like he's like like a, like a thing I've noticed is like especially on that age like the all the rappers like all the kids who were rappers loved Lloyd Banks and Omar's like the, <laughs> the prototypical man. He was obsessed with Lloyd Banks. Um, so he was like you know rapping and making music, and there were a couple kids who were older than me um but by that by by high school i had started going to shows in eugene okay so it's like i was kind of tapped into sort of the um for lack of a better term like the underground hip-hop scene and like kind of the whole pipeline from like the like seattle down to like northern california to where it's like you know blue scholars would come through like five times a year and like 
um, all like the Project Blow people would come on tour in, in Eugene. So I saw like all the touring acts and then I saw like the local like Eugene cats that would open up for them. Okay. So like, uh, uh, do you know Calvin Valentine? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so like, I mean, guest I, of the cast. OK, fire. Yeah. Cool. So like I'm a few years younger than him, but I remember seeing him. Um, doing his thing in Eugene when I was probably like 13, 14. So like, okay. I didn't know hella people who were doing it, but it, it seemed like something that was doable for someone who grew up there. Yeah. I mean, from what he described, it seemed like there was always kind of like shows going on and like a decent, uh, you know, decent shows, just like a lot of yeah. kids coming out and you got the college right there. Yeah. Cause I, I feel like at that time, like indie hip hop was kind of like the 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 sort of cool music for like college kids to listen to so it's like all the tours came by there There there's this place in eugene called the wow hall that got pretty much every single touring like mid-level rapper i saw everyone there from like bus driver and mike eagle to like ac alone atmosphere brother ali evidence like all that kind of shit was coming through there and i was really into all that at the time yeah was seeing it like after getting super heavy just into collecting or like kind of developing your own library did you find like the seeing it happen in the live form was like super impactful on you and it like really created this desire for you to want to do it in some form um I don't know that it was so A to B like that. I'm sorry if I'm yelling. Oh, no, you're good. <laughs> cool, you're cool. Good, you're good. Um, I don't know if it was, like, super A to B like that, but definitely, like, I got addicted to going to shows. Like, I, I remember the first one I went to was um, in seventh grade. My I convinced my sister's boyfriend to take me into my homies to go um, see AC alone um, and this group called The Procussions. And uh, the group that I think is they now go they now go as Mayday and they're signed to like Tech Nines label. So this is all back in like 2007. Okay. Um, so that was the first show I went to, and then like as soon as I did that, I was like, oh, I'm going to every single show that I can. Um, and I probably went to like from like you know 07 to like <laughs> shit until the pandemic. I was going to like you know at least. <sighs> four or five shows a month like for 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 most of my life i was doing that yeah. um it's just a lot of all ages stuff available yeah, to I mean, you yeah eugene was a good spot for That's all sick. ages shows like there's definitely like i mean i've had my fair share of fuck i can't go it's 21 yeah. plus yeah. i gotta try to sneak in <laughs> um but uh no it was a lot of all ages shows like i said the wow hall was great for that and then there's like a sort of um more like Roseland theater size venue there too called the McDonald theater that got a little like high, like I won't say higher tier, but like sort of, you know, more seasoned touring acts, I suppose. And those were all ages too. For sure. So when does it, uh, when does it hit for you that you want to pursue rapping or just creating in, in some form? Like, were you always writing no, I wasn't always. So I was, I started probably like trying to rap pretty immediately. Like at least like, you know, in the mirror, like changing lyrics and shit like that. Like even like, you know, like doing the kind of the cliche thing, but like, you know, listening to like Rapper's Delight and like changing the words and shit like that. And then like, I kind of learned that I could freestyle in middle school a little bit with my homie Omar and a couple other friends. And then I probably started writing probably in 2006 so yeah probably around this time like freshman freshman year of high school eighth grade 
I mean, that's probably when I got more into like, I guess what you call underground rap. Um, and I think when I started doing that, that's probably when I started like trying to write. And then I kind of did it for a long time and didn't tell anyone. Okay. Like a couple friends knew, but like I wasn't like I was like, like there were rappers at my school and I wasn't one of the rappers at my school okay. until like, um, like a talent show my junior year and everyone's like, oh you could do that it's like yeah <laughs> i've been practicing <laughs> for a long time um but then like even then like i didn't do it um like i do now until like freshman year of college probably so you kind of like built all of your your early skills like just doing the freestyle stuff it yeah. was a while before you actually put like pen to paper or, like yeah. i actually wrote down some lyrics and actually tried to like work words in some way absolutely so like it would start with like kind of doing like these freestyle covers of like so it's like you know put on the check the rhyme beat and try to do like the q-tip flow yeah. but not actually say the words he says um and then till like yeah eventually it's like doing that but like writing it down and then like being like oh I actually can and because around that time too like mixtapes were pretty cracking so it's like you would get like the lupe fiasco tape and he's freestyling over the still tipping or he's rapping over the still tipping beat but he's doing his own thing (laughs) and so i was like i would start doing that because i didn't know anyone who made beats really um and then yeah so that's kind of how i got started with writing and then i met a homie in college who made beats and then like kind of the rest has gone to where it is i mean like it's like the rest is history or whatever but that's that's when i started like actually yeah. like trying to make like original music yeah for sure did it uh i don't know do you feel like that was that was helpful for you that you kind of started that way before you actually started writing that like that kind of informed the way that you wrote or kind of like helped you understand like what that pocket or like yeah. delivery needed to be before you started writing words of your own I mean, probably like, I think I do, I think I I did really, really care about, I don't want to say the word perfected, but I really cared about the craft of it. Yeah. Um, Not to say that I don't now, um, but like, that was really important for me, like as a younger person when I was writing was like, I want to actually like do this well. Like, I don't want to, like, suck. You know, I was, like, always really scared of sucking at yeah. it. And so I think for me, like, sort of, like, learning via um, mimicking, more or less, helped me be, like, helped me understand, like, I didn't have words for, like, you know, meter or, like, I didn't know anything about internal rhyme schemes or shit like that. But, like, just kind of intuitively picking it up from, like, practicing off of other people's stuff. Yeah. Um, so I do think that did help me. And do you think that's also like why it probably took you a while to, to even tell people about it, that you wanted to like make sure that you that could I didn't do suck. it or like, yeah. Or like, <laughs> like you felt maybe not like, I don't know, as confident as you may be today, but like, did, do you think it was important that you did develop like some sort of confidence or like at least be like, you know, I spent like some time like working on this uh-huh. before I just like showed it to people and said that I was a rapper yeah. or maybe, I don't know. Um, think I get you. I'm trying to put myself back in their yeah. shoes and it's hard. Um, but like, I don't, I don't know that I ever thought of it about it that way. I think that's, I think there was a certain level of confidence that came when the first, and again too, like the other thing is like, it's not like I grew up around, like I said, there were rappers at my school, but it's not like, you know, it's not like I grew up around hella successful rappers or anything like that. So it's like, 
I had that sort of like, I, I know no one else can really do this. So I think that gave me confidence. I don't know that I was necessarily waiting for it, but I can say that like when I did start telling people and showing people, like I did feel fairly confident in, in my abilities with it. And like once you started getting into the underground stuff and diving into writing lyrics of your own, did it always feel so self like self-reflective or was there like a kind of an era of it where you were just like i don't know rapping about things that were like just not super i don't want to say insightful but just like like dumb shit just trying oh, to like figure out like the workings around. of words and yeah, like yeah, yeah. whatnot because i don't know just like with some of the stuff it, it seems that you uh you dive into some stuff that's a little more introspective at times mm-hmm. like i guess that's like what i appreciate overall about you know listening to something like sunshine and lollipops is just that there is seems to be like this cool balance of introspective stuff but the fun and goofy stuff is is there too and the clever bars and the like the references for things and whatnot yeah thanks for saying that um yeah i think like definitely it started off just like playing around like listen being like i don't like i don't like because i said like i I started like freestyle so i was like i don't don't know what i'm gonna do i don't know what i'm gonna say i don't i don't i'm not that smart i was kind of a dumb kid (laughs) you know i mean like i I didn't really start reading until like pretty late in high school um just like you know i was kind of an idiot i'm still kind of an idiot but uh i have an i'm an idiot who's read a few books um but like um yeah, so I mean, I would, I would just like a lot of it was just like oh, trying to make each other laugh, trying to just play on whatever anyone else said, yeah, or try to just literally rap about what we're doing. So it's like oh, for like a lot of things, a lot of times we would like get in my homie's truck, um, and because he, he had like a really um loud system this is like back in the days when everyone had like subs in the back of their trucks and <laughs> he did yeah just, oh it was the worst shit we're driving through suburban springfield with the fucking trunk rattling on, yes. on a homie's truck but we would like <laughs> like in the summer we'd go get soft serve and he would he probably like from mcdonald's and he probably lived like 10 15 minutes from mcdonald's so we would just rap from the second we left his house to the second we got back about whatever we saw so i mean it definitely started with just like playing around and then like you know, as you get more comfortable, uh, at least for me, as I got more comfortable, as I felt like I had more of a idea of what I was doing, I could kind of start um, being more intentional with the kind of things I said, like actually try to write songs that kind of had a little bit of meaning to them, where it's like, okay, some of this stuff is serious, some of this stuff is funny, some of this stuff is just like me playing around, but there's more of a purpose to it. Yeah. Um, I, I do think that kind of came with time. For sure. Did you eat? even in high school see like glimpses where you were like maybe tapping into it in a way that you were like processing the world kind of like through the words definitely and, or like getting that relief out of it in in some ways or just like felt like it was a solid outlet for expressing yourself um i th- yeah i think so i think definitely processing because like I don't know if I had this language back then, but the way I kind of think about things now is like these sort of like artistic pursuits um, are sort of like ways to like sort of let me back up. I kind of think like, you know, like, you know, the everything's fucking stressful, right? Everything's yeah. really hard. And I think that like, um, you know, this sense of like play and the sense of wonder and the sense of like, um, whimsy is like pretty important towards like you know just like being alive i think and so um that's kind of how i approach art now and i think that that was kind of always there too where it's like let me just kind of 
take whatever's going on in my head, put it on the page, try to make it rhyme, try to say something funny about it, or try to say something smart or whatever it might be. Um, try to try to process whatever I'm thinking about something. So I think that's been there, but there wasn't like any sort of uh, philosophical approach to it um, early on at all. Probably like that's probably something I've developed even since the pandemic, really. Like before, it was just like, oh, I'm just kind of rhyming, trying to yeah. trying to get my shit off, you know, trying, <laughs> trying to get my props. <laughs> and like, what about the performance element of it? Like, was there something that you were like scared about as far as like, I don't know, being vulnerable in some way or like sharing your, your thoughts in front of people like live. Yeah. No. Um, I never did shows. Cause I didn't know how to do it. Like I, I just didn't know how one got shows even and like, like I mentioned earlier, like I saw that people who I knew lived in the same yeah. city as me could do it. I didn't know how to do it. I didn't play a show until a, a college. Cause I just happened to, um, I happened to meet a homie who, you know, kind of, booked shows around town booked open mics like booked local acts and he booked me to play a bar and he's like yeah you can come through i got a double x your hands you sit on the stage until you're set you do your set and then you leave he's like you can come and do it though i was like bet perfect <laughs> um so i did that then for like years after that i didn't get shows until i kind of started kicking it with you know the yucks of the world okay. and we kind of we kind of sort of built this sort of collective around this place called Lucky's, this bar in Eugene, where we would jam every single Wednesday and then sort of got known as the rapper. And then it's like, oh, you meet other musicians and then like the bartender knows you and then the booker knows you. And so Mm -hmm. you get a chance to like get booked for those shows. Um, And so that's another thing too that I'm just thinking about now is that while there was like great all ages venues growing up, like to see shows, I don't know that those existed the same way for like if you were like a local artist trying to like play shows. I didn't get I even to this day, I've only played like a handful of all ages shows like down there from my experience. It's like the bars are where you can actually play. Yeah, it's just tough. It's like I understand why it's hard to keep an all ages venue open. Like you can't like make a bunch of money just like selling sodas and popcorn and shit. Like kids don't have money to spend on food. Yeah. And you can't sell them alcohol. <laughs> yeah, and if you're not like a touring artist, is like how are you gonna get 300 kids yeah, out to the show? Absolutely. But like, what about even when you did that talent show performance in high school? Like, did that feel like super scary to you? Like, did it make you want to do it more when you were done? Like, yeah, yeah, it wasn't scary, and it made me want to do it more because it was like kind of corny like i did like a you know it wasn't like a it wasn't like i was doing like music that i was making it was like i wrote this song to be like school appropriate and like to make the parents laugh and shit like that (laughs) so i did it and i was like i got you know i got a good reaction from the crowd i was like oh this is like the corniest shit ever like i want to actually do this for real (laughs) you know i don't want to be like the you know it felt like some fucking like you know after school special type shit because it kind of was like straight up um so yeah it it definitely made me want to do more but it made me want to do shit on my own terms more so yeah and how did like things develop through college even if you weren't performing a ton like, did you just get exposed to more people that were pursuing music and just getting to surround yourself with more musicians and whatnot? Yeah, a little bit. So my freshman year, I met Slick um, and I met um, Noah. I don't know if you know Noah. 
and kind of like kicked it with them a little bit and my homie Andy. Um, and then, so I was making music a little bit with Andy and Slick and then, um, Slick moved back here and then, you know, shit just happened. And then I kind of just stopped making music from, you know, 19 to 19 or 20 to like 22, 23. And then I was doing a radio show with, at the campus radio show with Gooley, Gulio. And one day he introduced me and fucking big, this one, this tall gangly motherfucker, big smile walks in. He's like, Hey, this is my homie Smythe. <laughs> and I was like, okay. So I met spinach yeah. and spinach was like talking. He had just done like his first like mixtape and he was in like the, 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 the band on campus, the hip hop band. And he was like really excited about it. And Gulia was one of those kids who I had freestyled with earlier and he had told Spinach that I rapped and he's like, yeah, he's really good. And so like Spinach like was the person who kind of re-energized me to start rapping again. And then um, I had I had been friends with Yuck early on in college and then we lost track for a couple years. And after I had graduated, I ran into him again. He's like, yo, I, I'm in this band called The Sunday Bump. We we have these shows coming up. I want you to spit yada 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 so i started doing that and then just like yeah that's how i kind of got back into like really trying to rap again yeah so like your first real performances was that mostly with a like a live band behind you then um so i did so i did the 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 bar show and a couple other shows when i was like 18 19 and then like when i was like 22 i was working with a couple like electronic producers my homie will and my homie nara um and we did a couple shows in fact like one of the first shows i ever did was at a sold out mcdonald theater it's like i don't i did one song but there's like 800 people there Amazing. like it's really cool but it was like <laughs> that was like the time i was nervous and i felt like yeah. i was gonna throw up the whole time i was out there Cause you just go out there and you just feel it and i've never played for that many people again in my entire and i probably never <laughs> um and then yeah and then like it was like yeah i started to play with jazz cats and it's like oh this is really tight to be like oh i'm playing with some of the illest like musicians yeah around like and like back then i used to think in in eugene and it's like okay now that i've moved and been places like no they're just like ill you know they're just like super ill and they fuck with me and that really like helped me being like okay if these dudes think i'm nice and like they're they're as good as they are then we must have something going on here so yeah it was really tight being able to you know do some like do some original songs do some cover songs with our own lyrics do some like freestyle jams and 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 stuff like that and so that's kind of how i kind of um got really comfortable performing and then from there i just started getting booked a lot and then i just started rapping like you know i was me and spinach were talking about a couple months ago it's like there was a time like from like 2016 to like you know 2017 2018 where we were playing like on average you know two or three gigs a week um which was a lot for us um, and like, I have not gotten anything close to that since then. Um, but yeah, I got really comfortable kind of just being like, oh, I said yes to every show, yeah. played in every situation. I've played for three people. I've played for 50 people. I've played for like 150 people. I've played on incredible sounding things. I've played out of one monitor <laughs> with no bass and it was cracking in a backyard. So just kind of cut my teeth just by saying yes to everything. And that's how I started feeling really comfortable performing live. Absolutely, man. And like, I think that. Yeah, that early validation is always important. And I'm sure like I'm sure that just made you want to even be better as a like whatever you offer musically when you're playing with a band that's like that killing or that like all these musicians that you really respect, that must have like kind of lit a fire just to like 
up your game. Yeah, you ever seen the jazz face where it's like someone's killing and everyone just like, I wanted people to do that to me. Like I wanted to be chopping and people like, oh, Rex is killing it right now. Um, And so that, yeah, it was super motive. Like it was super motivational for that. And then also I felt like sort of comfortable, you know, taking risks, doing things because it's like, well, if I fuck this up, my homie Ken is going to drum solo and everyone's going to forget what I just did. So it's all good. (laughs) Did that, uh, do you think that that was like also just important to you again, just like the foundation for performing and not like, I don't know. I feel like as a, as a rapper, maybe specifically or like any sort of vocalist, like the opportunity to like learn where to like leave that space and whatnot when you're performing with mm-hmm. a band, do you feel like mm-hmm. that like translated into like what you would create later or? Most certainly, most certainly. Cause, um, especially cause we would like, we were like, we we're like hosting like an open mic night through all like these, these like jam nights. They aren't, they're not just like, me and my five friends play for an hour. It's like you rotating musicians. And sometimes there's people up there who are there every week who are ill. And sometimes like, oh, this is this person's first time, maybe even playing live at all. We would encourage people to like vocalists to come up. So it's like sometimes when you got like seven rappers on stage, you've seen it. You got yeah. seven rappers on stage. And sometimes it's hard to like be like, okay, we've been rapping for like a, like, like 188 straight bars like someone (laughs) needs to stop this so like being able to kind of feel like hey we need to actually take a break here we need to pause and then being able to interject and like kind of like give those sort of verbal or like non-verbal cues really to the rest of the band all right let's go into the chorus like and, and shit like that so like learning that like helped me sort of think about how i wanted to structure my own music and again like i don't I'm not like in in terms of like for for what I've done so so far what I've released like I haven't made any of the beats and I haven't really given direction to any of the producers for what I've released so it's like I generally get like the beat as it's going to be on the album and so it's like I can listen to it and be like okay I want to rap here I want some yeah. pauses here do I want a chorus if I do it's gonna go here do I want a bridge mm. can I do something on the outro that would be ill. So that's kind of, I think that's definitely been informative for that. And it's also helped me as I have gone into like, you know, composing more music, making beats and shit like that. Like it's helped me um, because I don't really, I still don't really know anything about music, but I feel like I've like kind of soaked up like a little bit like a sponge of like a little bit of like structure and shit just from like seeing them play as much as I have. So like as far as you know you selecting beats or i guess not even so much about the selection but even now when you're getting beats from someone is there ever like a time where you will say hey like i really dig this but i need one more verse on it or is it always i'm just gonna like work with whatever Mm. is given shoot i'm trying to think i'm sure that i have asked for like like asked for another verse or something like that but it's pretty rare for sure and i think like even the time i can think of most recently what is um on sunshine and lollipops i have a song called that's on you it's produced my homie ken the maestro with a feature from spenno i just asked for another verse on it so i could put spenno on the song (laughs) so it wasn't even like i want to do something more Mm. in this space i actually want to feature on this yeah do you think that because it's approached that way and you're just taking like kind of their the producer's finished product that that like kind of helps 
maybe even force a different creativity like within each song because there isn't like that freedom to be like i need this it's just like no this is what the track is yeah i think so um because i don't really so like i mean sometimes it's like someone will just send me here's like 10 beats pick what you want sometimes i'll like hit some up like hey do you want to make me a beat sometimes it's like uh, I'm going to go over and we're going to listen to like 30 beats. I'm going to pick the one or two that I like. So there is some level of like curation, I guess, in terms of like what I'll actually be drawn to. But so I don't necessarily always feel like forced to be in this um, particular box if it doesn't fit. But yeah. it's like I, I find the thing that kind of fits like a glove to, to, for whatever. And it's like sometimes I'll listen to a beat once and it's like, OK, I know exactly what I'm going to do. Sometimes I'll pick a beat and then like three years later, I'll put it back on. and be Oh, shit. I should write to this right now. Yeah. So it kind of just depends. Um, but I do think that for me anyway, it is helpful to have these kinds of parameters on my creativity to help me actually um, get shit done. Cause otherwise I can, I, I, I'm the type of person who can overthink things sometimes. Yeah. Um, and so I've, I've even started doing that with actually like time, like, like the, my time. So I used to just be like, Oh, I'll write whenever. Mm. And then like during the pandemic during like the super lockdown parts of it I'm like it's over um but during the super lockdown parts of it um i'd be like okay i'm gonna write from 8 p.m to 10 p.m and like whatever i write in that time is gonna be cool i'm not gonna worry about it I, i'm not gonna edit myself i'm just gonna try to write as much as i can from 8 to 10 so even stuff like that like even those kinds of parameters i have found to be pretty helpful yeah and uh do you have you been pretty disciplined in doing it even on the days that you don't really like feel like you have much to say um so when, yeah so when i'm going through like these because i don't this isn't like my everyday life yeah. but when i'm kind of going through these practices for sure and it's like i've written some of the worst shit <laughs> but it's like i feel like that's hopeful because it's like that shit was in me yeah so i needed to get it out somehow it was like getting the clog out so like the good ideas can come yeah. so I, I have i have done that and sometimes like straight up sometimes i'll just be sitting there for an hour just looking at my phone like being like i don't have i, don't, I got nothing today but i still i still try to stay in that sort of space where it's like even if i don't write anything i still f have found it helpful to like go through the motions of trying to create something yeah and i'm sure there was one of those days where you weren't really feeling it and you probably mind something that you know yeah I'm was yeah like solid yeah <laughs> i i kind of like really appreciate i guess like the uh the people that aren't necessarily producing their own beats and they're all like using like a collection of producers or like not even like really capping it at like a certain amount because like i feel like that's uh like that's artistic in itself as far as like the curation on your end mm. like you you're still like curating this group of like beats together like finding them and figuring out like what is going to like match best for you yeah yeah i think so too um and it's like i'm just lucky <laughs> to have like hello people around me who are really good at this yeah. shit where it's like um i I learned so much from them, like in terms of like how I want to approach music too. So it's like, I don't know I, if I didn't have hella homies who made super ill beats, I probably would like focus more on making my own shit for my own albums. But I'm just like really lucky that I haven't had to do that. Cause I just like, I've never like, 
I've never had to be like, yo, send me beats. It's like I always just have homies who are thinking of me and being like, hey, you should rap on this. And I'm like, fire, I would love to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Vegan Wings is one of my my favorite tracks off the yeah. off the new record. And uh, speaking to just kind of like what I appreciate about like your lyricism earlier of just like the playful nature of it and then like the introspective stuff is like i think that one is like a solid representation of that i'm curious like where you feel like can you recognize anything as being just like maybe the most impactful or like the thing that's like really informed your storytelling at this point or just like your your writing or like do you feel like you're tapping into something different diving into this project man thank you for asking um so i i feel like i take i take my inputs very seriously so it's like i never like before i even get started i'm never like i want to try to do this like this person but i i am like a little fucking uh, like troll just collecting little <laughs> eggs on this i don't even know how to say it but just like collecting little bits and pieces yeah. little morsels um from every single source so it's like i might read a poem that i'm like oh, taking that i might hear a bar i'm like mm, flipping that taking that i might like see a scene in a movie that makes me think of a certain thing it's like okay writing that down so it like oh, yeah. it's it's a little bit of everything and then it's like i feel like by having hella influences, like by just by the fact of having a huge number of influences, it's like kind of impossible to seem too much like one of them. And that's yeah. kind of been my approach. Um, so I think in terms of just the way I deliver things, I think some of it's like my personality. Like I'm definitely like a, uh, I process a lot of complex feelings through humor. I'm not, um, I've, ne- I've not always been really like super, Red, or I'm super super available emotionally I haven't always like wanted to like say shit about my feelings directly so yeah. I've like kind of couched it in humor and so like, <laughs> I feel like that comes out in my music I feel like a lot of the things I'm saying about myself personally are a bit coded at times so it kind of comes from all these different people I've read music I've heard um, comedy um, dialogue and movies and TV um, and then try to kind of put it in this little gumbo and then put it out so it sounds like, you know, I have, I have the ingredients, but I'm, I'm the person cooking it, right? Yeah. So it sounds like, it, it tastes like something I made. Hope's an incurable sickness and I got the bug. Geeking off that Darwish pack and I got the plug. Found humility in the mud and I kept it as a token. If he said that words would dance, we're shocked to see pride busted open, huh? Whistle all my secrets, plastic bag of cheap tricks, stop for a reason. I lean, I lean, I lean, I lean in. I wrote this verse while wandering, walked until my feet bled, or was I eating ramen at a communal table? Either way, the page stay red. Seize a lane and take the day to make arrangements. Phone your people, settle your payments, roll with the wind, download some pavement. Do me a solid, write wrongs for the workers and not for the bosses. I'm going Chavez like I'm on my six hour talking, but not about to grab a lozenge. Let me clear my conscience, let me eat my bondage, let me shed my baggage, let me mend my damages. My Fitbit draped in bandages, unravel them and see I'm 60 feet tall. I believe all these other schlubs are meatballs. Me, I'm PBS 
hitchback with the big yap Kissing zigzags while I kick back Take a big nap, wake up and hit a spin move like Scoob Lover Karaoke through a few blunders Keep a tune, lift your knees Very focused on that new plunder Steal the moon, grip the breeze I stretch my hips morningly yet to feel relieved I stretch my hips morningly yet to feel relieved I need my cream not to preem But so mom and I can breathe Then I'll spread it around my people That's fuel for my disease Hopes and incurable sickness I need a witness claim You care about the kids But you're scamming like Dr. Lipshits The corners of my lips split While I cackle at these assholes Dunkin' is a hassle Keep it moving like a rascal My tired tendons seek sublime intentions Ghoulie hit my line to tell me I'm a legend I declined in deference Cause everything I am is everything my circle made me Share a six or something hazy And a lime cilantro And it, like for me is like uh, a fan of like, hip hop and rap It's like I'm often coming like not only for the like the beats and the production But just like what are your references You know and like with you when I'm listening I feel like it's such a broad range and I'm I'm 37 and I feel like, I don't know, a good 80 to 90% of them. Like, I'm just like, all right, cool. I picked this up. Like, I understand what's happening here. So it's like, I don't know. I just appreciate that for sure. And I will say like that particular thing, like in terms of like what I have appreciated most from rap, like I love punchlines, but I don't. I don't necessarily feel like a super punchliney rapper. Yeah. But I I love artists who make references. Like my favorite rappers are like Open Mike Eagle, um, MF Doom. Um, so I love like sort of like cultural references in in my rap music. So that's like my favorite shit too. For sure. Like when you think about the releases, like the stuff that you've put out prior to Sunshine and Lollipops. Is there uh, like something that you recognize that's like much different about this collection of tunes, other like in comparison to stuff that you've put out previously? Well, first of all, I feel like I'm better. Yeah, <laughs> like I feel like I've gotten better as a rapper. I feel like I've gotten more because, com- like, that's the other thing too. Is like we've talked about getting comfortable writing. We talked about getting comfortable comfortable performing live, but like. In terms of recording, I didn't get comfortable. I I, I still kind of struggle with confidence. Not confidence, but, like, I still don't always get it on tape the same exact way I hear it in my head. I hear you, man. Right? <laughs> Even to this day. And I don't know that I ever will. That, and, like, that kind of gives me something to keep working towards, right? Like, that's what I want to eventually do. Um, But I feel like I am better at it now than I ever have been. And part of that came from, I don't know, did you ever listen to any of the time travel mixtapes that yeah. came out in 2019? Yeah, absolutely. So I used to, I was going over to Tron's, like, two or three times a week. And we would just write a verse on the spot. He would make a beat. We would write a verse and record it. And sometimes the process took 30 minutes. And so, like, from sitting down to leaving with a song done, it might it might have been 30 to 40 minutes. And so, like, just, like, taking, you know, it's like taking jumpers, right? Like, it was the reps. Like, I'm not all my, like, I wouldn't say, like, the best verses I've ever spit are on any of those projects. I'm, I'm like, proud of all that shit because, like, it came from a moment. It came from, like, a general, like, time of trying to, like, experiment, get better, um, and just kind of see what would happen, like, 
like like Chong says, like the best B sides in the business. That's what he calls the mixtape series. <laughs> like these, these are all B sides, yeah. but they're all like us, like really genuinely trying to tap into something. But yeah, just straight up recording like multiple times a week. I got really comfortable, and I would say like that's like in terms of like the difference in the in the tunes on Sunshine and Lollipops to my other stuff. Um, that's like the big in in terms of like the quality of the music, and in terms of like the writing and themes. I feel like just a healthier happier better person now than when i was when i started putting out music yeah. no, i see i see how uh doing all those sessions could like just like help you hone in your craft in the recording yes and because like i don't know i don't play a bunch of music now but i still play some guitar and like write some songs and it always feels like i'm very upset if i didn't have the record on while i was like uh. developing ideas because i like i can never i never feel like i can like recreate it mm-hmm. you know like the same way that original idea was do you uh like where you're at now is it difficult for you to like turn it on when it's like time to record your vocals for a record like is it is there days where you still like you show up to trons like while you're making this record with him and you like you're like i just can't i can't get in the zone today i don't know i don't think so and the thing too with um this project actually so tron mixed and mastered it so it's weird so like i started this project in 2020 so when i say that it sounds like it took me three years to make this record and like the way time works it kind of (laughs) did but um like i wrote all the songs in like you know a period of one like maybe two months in 2020 and then flash forward a year later spring 2021 me spenno and spinach got an airbnb in eugene went down banged out all the recordings in like 30 hours like literally recorded probably like 18 songs i think 13 are on the album yeah 8 17 18 songs recorded them all did them all couple takes felt pretty good about it and then about a year later me and tron mixed it so um in in that way for this album in particular that wasn't an issue but definitely just in terms of like going over to Tron's now and it's like, oh, we're having a session with a couple homies and like sometimes I'll be there with the intention of, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to rhyme on this song. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to rhyme on this song. So it does, <laughs> it does still happen, but it's, it's less often than it maybe used to be. Yeah. And like the, the perfectionist in you, is it, is it important again, as far as like maybe even the creative parameters to only like give it a couple takes like you did? this time around just to make sure you're not like losing your mind on it and that's a good question um maybe yeah because i i have definitely i definitely have gone away from that sort of impulse to try to like i i do i do still have that innate thing in me where it's like oh, i'm trying to do this perfectly or whatever yeah. but i have like kind of in in the past years drifted away from that as like something that i actually care about so it's like I don't know that I have to be like, oh, I have to do this in three takes. Like, I'll take as many takes yeah. as feel as feels right. But I think now I get the take that I feel comfortable with a lot quicker. Um, and I just like to work faster. Um, so I, I do think those parameters are helpful. But I think like at this point, I've just so 
comfortable in them that I don't have to consciously think about giving them. It's like, I just know that I'm going to get this in like three takes. Yeah. And if I don't, then maybe the song isn't going to happen. Shaking the imposter syndrome a little bit. Yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent. I don't feel like I don't struggle with imposter syndrome too much anymore with regards to me rapping. Now with regards yeah. to like showing people beats I've made, I have hella imposter syndrome. Cause it's like, I'll be like talking to Meltzer and he's like, yeah, I've been working on some stuff, but I'm not going to show you any of it because you're iller at this than I am. Yeah. Do you feel like, are you, do you feel like you're close to like developing something where you're like either willing to share or you're thinking that you want to like rap over something that you've actually created? Definitely. So I've started rapping over my own beats live. Okay. Like I'll do like these little songs that I'll do and do them live. I got a few beats that... Um, I've given to other people so like hopefully like there'll be a, a Rush Hourglass song which is Old Grape God and uh, Eric Fury on one of my beats um, I think there's gonna be one of my beats on one of the new Paint Soup albums so it's like I'll start like that'll start existing out in the public of like soon and like I also feel like I'm someone who likes to have a creative thing that's just for me that I don't have to have any pressure on it so for like the past few years it's been making beats and now that that's starting to like maybe come out I think I'm gonna try to like learn piano or something so I can have something it's like again this is just for me and then eventually hopefully I'll get good at that and I'll pick a new thing yeah I mean all that's just gonna like I think make you a better like musician or creator in general like once you have like that perspective of like writing from a different instrument like that's just gonna give you like more lenses to like look at the production and whatnot i'm assuming i hope so yeah and i like going back to talking about validation is that is it helpful like when you're around tron and he's like I don't know, appreciates a beat that you've made or is just like, we should fuck around with this. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And that's the thing too. It's like, um, whenever I think about audience for lack of a better word, it's like, I know who is going to hear my music. It's going to be my homies who I respect and I'm in awe of their talent. So it's like, if if I play something and spinach is like, Oh, this mix is sick. I'm like, Oh, okay. You're a little, you're a little mix. Like, He's like a he's like a dude who's very particular about how his mixes sound. So if it's cool for him, okay, I yeah. did something right. If I like, if I say something and like slicks like, oh that's funny, I'm like, bet perfect, <laughs> I did something good Hell there. Yeah. If I if I have like uh you know if I like you know pick a beat and I freak it a certain way and Gulio's like, oh bro that shit was crazy. I'm like, okay, this then this is working. Like it's yeah. like it's like the people whose taste I respect and admire. Um, if they're fucking with it, then I'm like, okay, then I know that I've done something right. So it's not even necessarily like needing that external validation, like the way I might've once needed it, but it's, it definitely helps me because I I try to follow my instincts and it's like, okay, my instincts are doing something that I'm okay with. If, if these people are, are cool with it. Yeah, man. You surround yourself with some, some bad motherfuckers, like just so many amazing musicians within like that group of people like that we've mentioned and just like a bunch that are linked to them that Mm -hmm. are also like really amazing. Mm -hmm. Just like super impressed. Like just the, the beat scene alone here, like around us is like ridiculous. Yeah. So, I know it took a long time for the record to actually like come out and be complete, but you said you wrote it like pretty, mm-hmm. like within a month or two. 
Yeah. So do you think that that also like speaks to like the cohesiveness of, of the project? Well, do you feel like it's cohesive? Yeah. I feel like it's like, a, yeah. to me, it's like, it's an experience. Like the, the front to back experience is, is solid. Yeah. You know, it feels like thought was put into the sequencing lots uh it sounds like I, I assumed lots when you said that you know you like to you know juggle things yeah. in your head a bit and, and uh sometimes a little too much and i think that's like that's a hard thing to do though too is just be like this is complete yeah i i think so um i i think what helped too is sometimes like i'll just write and whatever comes out comes out um, and not to a certain extent was with this album, but there was at least a, there's always like a, well, let me phrase that. There's always like a goal behind a song, but there's not always a goal behind a collection of songs that I'm making in a month or whatever. But I set out to write an album. Like I knew when I wrote my first couple of songs for this, I was like, oh, I actually want to do an album, not like an EP or not just a song, or I'm not just doing this for doing it. And so I think having that sort of through line with, okay, I actually have, a, s- a central theme or question to this album i think that kind of helped the cohesion too it probably helped that i was doing it pretty condensely but i think i also would have been able to do it spread out if i had that sort of central theme that yeah. i was working from what do you mean by like having an objective for each song or every song i've ever written there's like a point there's like something i'm not even necessarily trying to convey, but there's something that I'm trying to put in there, whether that be like a concept or an emotion or an idea, like a, like a central thesis, if I'm trying to prove a point or I don't really do like story songs that per se that often, if ever. Um, but there is like some sort of intention that goes into a song, even if I don't exactly know what it is when I get started, by the time I write the last bar, I'm like, this verse is done or this song is done. There's something in there that I intended to put in there or that I realized it was going in there and then I explored it in a different way. That That's kind of what I mean by that. And then with this album, it was like, it was kind of, you know, I wrote it in 2020. We were all there. <laughs> we know what 2020 was like. <laughs> and so I really wanted to think about like, you know, like I, there's this guiding question to albums. Like they say the world can't be all sunshine and lollipops, but why not? And I'm not necessarily even trying to answer. Sometimes I'm like saying, okay, this is actually why not, you know, or mm. sometimes like, oh, maybe, but it could be. Yeah. And so th- that, so even though the songs maybe don't like play out in a story, like, like, as a, like in a traditional concept album kind of way, they're all sort of related to that question. Yeah. And I would also imagine like the way you're talking about how, like kind of everything around you influences you and like i feel like that's all uh that's all like very present too where like maybe not every single like verse connects to one another or Mm -hmm. whatever but it's still i don't know it's still speaking to something yeah it's like it's like uh you know the the your first thought in the morning might not be directly connected to your last thought before Mm. you go to bed but it all existed in the same context yeah yeah can we talk about belly laugh we we can definitely talk about belly laugh that's another one uh that i appreciate quite a bit um you've got that line on there a lot of rendered truth identified internally that's why i scribble often yeah can you uh can you talk about that section yeah you don't have to you know i don't want you to like destroy the mystique behind anything but like you know 
Yeah, I, I'm trying to think of because I want to give because I, I, like I said, I, I have this stew and I'm trying to like like accurately cite because I heard a song and it literally is like it, it literally was that it was like it was like this jazz song. I, I I'm gonna I'll text you who it was okay. later <laughs> and you can be like, okay. Um, but literally the song is just over and over again. It's like all rendered truth inter- is internal or something like that. Someone's screaming into their like stereo right now. It's this song. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Um, and so I was like, damn, that is beautiful. And, and then, so I was like, you know, what, what does that mean for me? It's like, if, if, if truth, if, if if truth is within you and like that's it's an acronym too like art uh, uh, he's he says all rendered truth i don't like to speak in absolute so i said a lot of rendered truth um isn't identified so what does that actually mean and it's like okay how do you get that out it's like so the way i get it out is by writing a lot so it's like what like what's within me that i think is true and then like i even say in that song and, and like that's the, the time of the song is belly laugh and it's like okay i i i, I try to i render truth and try to what i i don't even remember what i say but i try to claim it but then i try to find consensus and i i got made fun of essentially so it's like <laughs> this thing that i really believe was the truth and i was like i spent a lot of time coming to this conclusion and i share it and everyone's like shut up <laughs> you know so that's kind of the idea it's like there there's this truth that like exists within you um and it doesn't necessarily make it invalid but it doesn't necessarily necessarily resonate with every other person you know you might have this thing that you really deeply believe in and you try to share what you believe in with someone else and they're like <laughs> you know so that's kind of the concept behind um the song in general Thursday morning bunny but the taste is not as bitter everything is second place as long as mama know i'm rocking with her i'll do that for eternity a lot of rendered truth identified internally that's why i scribble often that's why I scribble often. Yeah. I, I scribble often to seek truth and claim it. Though I tried to find consensus and it only got me ratioed. Big belly laughing like Maceo. But I couldn't say you felt nice, belt tight Trying to squeeze a minute past my shelf life Thought I'd be more swan, yeah, took the long way I was hella right, delve into my eyes Digging out these blessed images Oatmeal with a splash of hemp milk and a pinch of cinnamon Too much in your grimacing Close to all is best in moderation Next to y'all I know I'll never fall And now I'm scared of Nathan But I haven't kicked the habit of looking over my shoulder Hey everybody, I just wanted to take a minute to let you know that this episode of the podcast is sponsored by North 45 Pub, located in the Alphabet District of Northwest Portland. They've got a killer selection of Belgian beers and an extensive liquor wall of over 200 bottles. It's summertime and they've got their 45th Parloma on the menu, their play on the Paloma, as well as their staple food item, the Rosemary Garlic Fries, which are easily my favorite thing on the starters menu. That fry sauce, I don't know what it is, but it's banging. And in addition to the cocktails and the food, they've got one of the best patios in the city, tons of big screens outside to enjoy the sun and all your favorite sports. And the best part is they've also got free live music. You can catch DJs there every Tuesday night from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Residencies from local artists including Spinach, 
Vanport, Sicko Side, and WWJP, as well as DJs and beatmakers every Sunday from 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. Don't miss local beatmakers Love Jones and Free Tillman every second Sunday and DJ Slim Gweeny every fourth Sunday at North 45 Pub. Now let's get back to the episode. And do you feel like at this point you're like truly kind of like expressing a full range of emotions like through the music at this point? Um, a full range of emotions, uh, close to it. Um, uh, like, uh, a facsimile of it, if you will. <laughs> um, uh, I, I think so. I try to, um, there's definitely parts of me that I'm not still not comfortable, um, talking about on record and maybe never will. Yeah. And maybe that's okay. Absolutely. Um, Again, I, ta- I mentioned earlier my favorite rapper is Open Mike Eagle, and he put out this album a couple years ago called Anime Trauma and Divorce, and he's talked about like how since it's like I feel really fucking weird about the fact that I talked about something so personally, and then Ooh. I sold it next to like a Post Malone record or whatever. Yeah. And so it's like there's parts of that where I'm like, hmm, there's things that I've sort of have within me that I don't necessarily want to broadcast out there. But then yeah. again, like my first album was about how suicidal i was at the time so there are other things that i have no problem sharing and i don't the 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 reasons things feel guarded some things feel guarded and some things i'm willing to share um don't probably don't necessarily make sense to other people but they make sense to me yeah man (laughs) also it's just like i think that would be very weird for you to to have that out there if you weren't comfortable with it being out there and like to have I think that to have the restraint is like pretty great too. to, to not do it because like, you know, you're talking about that open mic Eagle thing and I'm sure there's like quite a few other artists who have weird feelings towards certain records they've put out that are like very directly just broadcasting like a divorce or like whatever they're, we're maybe going through in that, that very moment and well, uh, i do too though too like yeah. like, on, like on a certain level there are things like i used to do that i won't do now like i like in terms of like because I, I really believe in like the power of like giving or i really believe in the concept of giving power to ideas and giving power to feelings and i spent a lot of time when i was rapping early earlier on like when i started re- like releasing shit like Cause I was just really fucking sad, man. I was in a bad spot, and like all I would do is rap about how sad. I have I have an album or an EP called "I Wish I Could Feel Things," but also I don't. It was about how exactly that, <laughs> exactly that thing. I did not feel a single thing, and I wish I could, but also I really don't wish that I could. And so like that's some shit I probably wouldn't do now. Yeah. And it's partially because I don't feel that way as much anymore. And two, like I feel like, you know wallowing in it and it's like oh i'm on stage and i'm rapping about how sad i am and i'm like people are like smiling at me as i'm being like oh i wish i could feel things but also i don't (laughs) um so it just it's not a feeling that i like and so like i I wouldn't do that kind of stuff anymore and then even on sunshine and lollipops shit kind of slips through the filters every once in a while i was like okay well this made it onto the page and maybe there's a reason it did do i want to edit it sometimes the answer is yes sometimes the answer is no so yeah i don't have like a a rubric for what I'm willing to let slip, but there are certain things like, especially if like they deal with other people's shit, like, like, you know, I don't really talk a lot about any of my like 
um, romantic relationships or I don't talk in detail about like my relationship with my family always because like part of it's my story but part of it is someone else's story and I just don't want if I'm the person who like agreed to let my feelings known out into the world and let my shit be seen by other people and I don't necessarily want to do that to someone who hasn't like agreed to do that I hear you I hear you and like yeah all that resonates heavy like there's there's a bunch of music that is out that I've put out that like I don't necessarily like yeah I definitely don't feel as dramatic as that 19 year old you know or just like have the desire to even write in that same way or like deliver those messages I don't think or I don't know I've done fucking 300 plus episodes of this podcast there's quite a few towards the beginning that first hundred i'm sure where i just like said dumb shit or just like had no idea how to like facilitate a conversation sometimes i still haven't like the imposter syndrome and like feel like i didn't do the thing the right way or could have like done it better or whatever so i'm sure in three months it'll be like three in the morning and i'll have it drafted on ig messages to like at dan cable delete my podcast episode (laughs) and i'll have to be like no i don't like i'm not gonna do that don't do it don't do it um as far as there's a a bunch of great features on the record uh we talked about spinach and uh grape god tron previously the ollie ollie oxen free track is so good um is that something where you'll you'll always write your verse first and then show them what the song is with that to like let them inform their verses no not always um so for that one i can't remember if i showed spinach my verse before he wrote his verse or not i i I can't um i might have i might have told him what i might have sent him sometimes i'll send like the note app of like oh this is what i wrote i didn't haven't recorded it yet but here's the i can't remember if i did that for um grape god's chorus though that was like originally like i was gonna do like a scratch chorus or something i I hadn't figured it out and tron was mixing it he's like hold on one second he just stood up went to the fucking mic and just did the did the chorus like yeah that's the chorus cool so that that's how that one came out my hiding place like ali oxen free who was that dancing in the hallway it was probably me hearing jibber jabber and i scratch my scalp constantly the truth is paywall the lies are free so we all got maggot brains unsurprisingly what an honor it's indeed to have a diagnosis when the lines get drawn which side are you on got a few tricks but no sleeves i'll hide them in my palm deploy them then i'll dip and dip my little piggies in the pond draw the line and cross it twice like capital i i'm getting capital off my ears throwing eyes my sinuses in hell the finest smoke i exhale nothing but dope i found myself in these little funny things i wrote i know 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 i've yet to blow i'm still an active volcano though i know i know i know i've yet to blow still an active volcano though no though no close the eyes now it's stole trolls rolling dice so the slide foxes try boxing with the moragon Paloy hold the light mariano close the ninth all right find the titanic copper joyous ride trophy wives sword the spine the hopes of slime join the hive and so for sign prepare to pulverize reform like a three to tie at the buzzer but last in overtime imagine abolition the cataclysm the corporate 
swine. Now with both open eyes, scope the pirate with guys who deploy a poison disguise in his triumph. My line to wind up toy and cold and patrol pith, the cinderscope and worship and tremor. The other feature old grape gods on on my um on the album, um uh what did we call it? Uh it's not clutch, is it? Yeah, it is clutch. It's clutch. I should know my own song titles. <laughs> Sometimes I forget what's the beat, what the beat's called versus what the demo was called versus what the final name of the song was. Um, he, he, I sent him the beat. I was like, I want you on this part of the beat. And with him, you send him something, you're getting it back in two or three hours. <laughs> so he sent it back to me and he's like, Hey, this is my verse. So he actually wrote the verse first and he kind of influenced the direction of that song more so than I've ever really had in the, in the past. So it kind of just depends. Yeah. And as far as the live show, I thought it was very cool to see you kind of like operating everything on your own for your album release show. Is that is that by design or like by necessity? Like in terms of not having a DJ or something. Yeah, like, like that? I I just thought it was dope that you were like you know running the 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 MPC and then yeah. you had these two vocal pedals with you, which I thought were like such a big yeah game changer as far as the the dynamic in the live show and just uh just seemed like you had that stuff like really dialed in mm -hmm. you know yeah i'm a bit of a control freak sometimes <laughs> so i've had i've had i've done shows with djs or like back when we did um the breakfast boys shit where it wasn't with the band it was just like the four mcs um me and spinach were like take turns djing i've like i've done that i just feel more comfortable yeah. um D like playing my own beats um doing my own vocal effects uh uh part of it is like a lot of my favorite rappers did that so it's like i'd go to tours and some would have djs and some would play off the laptop and some like the first person i saw using the sp i think was i think it was bus driver was probably the first person i saw use that so um I just kind of been like, oh, that's what I'm going to do when I do it. So I, I've definitely used DJs in the past and I probably will in the future. But I just in terms of if, if it's up to me, I'm probably going to choose doing it myself most times. Yeah, there's just like to me, there's something different about seeing something that's not just being played off a laptop. And whether that's like the rapper themselves or, you know, the singer themselves with a dj controller even mm -hmm. whatever you know there was definitely like i felt like there was added elements to see that like you were doing that <laughs> shit and like you weren't rapping over tracks that have like, <laughs> like my vocals, the on, vocals it. Yeah. on it and just uh it like i thought everything you did with the vocal pedals was like very balanced and like tasteful like it didn't feel like it was overdone like you didn't destroy the charm of it you know <laughs> like yeah, by just like fucking doing it over and over it was just yeah know. i mean i have like, that's trial and error you yeah, know i've spammed sure. it before you know i've, yeah. I've bombed before don't get me yeah. wrong like all the shows aren't good. that particular show that i got to see yeah it just seemed like you i don't even know if this is true but like do you spend it, it seemed like you spent time with it like that you had done it a lot I've it. done it a lot, but I don't, I don't rehearse as such. Okay. Like I, you know, every once in a while, like if I have a show and I'm like, oh, I want to do this song that I wrote six years ago, I'll maybe like play the beat and rap it once or whatever. I sometimes like for this one, it was easy because I just kind of went with the track list, but I typically don't even have a set list. So I'm like, 
I just kind of load up some beats. I'm like, okay, we'll see where the okay. spirit takes us. And yeah, in terms of doing that kind of stuff, one, it's sort of like to keep myself entertained and keep myself engaged. It's like I could probably just like it might be like a technically more proficient show if I like knew exactly what songs I was going to do and had cue points ready and like I would probably technically rap better. Um, but to me, that would probably be less interesting. And like when I was um, first doing shows, I did a lot of like, you know, I was inspired by like a lot of punk rock. So I would like do a lot of antics. I would like do front flips and drop to my knees and scream <laughs> and like jump into the crowd and be like aggressive and shit. And then that's like as I've gotten older and calmer, I'm like, you know, I'm just wanna, I just want to rap. And so how do I do this and still make it interesting? So like yeah. bringing the pedals in, using the effects on the SP. Which, you know, it's not like super, like, it's not like I'm the only person rapper in the world who does that no. kind of shit, but I try to do it in a, in a, in a semi unique way. You yeah. Know? Or I don't know. Again, I thought it, it seemed like you just, uh, your choices were solid, yes. you know? And, uh, yeah, it didn't look like your first time doing, no, you no, know? No. And, and I definitely didn't like walk away from that show being like, oh, Probably Brax isn't a good rapper. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I was like, that was, that was very cool. Like I thought there was, uh just the overall energy that was brought like through the live performance like it was it was just very dope fire yeah like i said try like a lot of trial and error a lot of a lot of a lot of getting those jumpers up man yeah. i've just done it so many times at this point yeah and it seems like you've done it in a lot of uh different forums like yeah and like you said to three people or yeah. 800 yeah yep, different venues different like and i've got to the point where it's like I've I've had I've dealt with sound too. It's like I all I need is a PA system. If I show up to a show, we can play the show as long as there's a PA system. Because yeah. <laughs> I've definitely been in so many contexts. I was like, oh, we don't have the right cables, or oh, we don't have a mixer, or oh, we don't have a we don't have a mic, we don't have XLR cables. So I just kind of keep all that shit with me, ready to go. Yeah, for sure. Also, just you know, do that due diligence and ask what people have ahead of time and try try to the the best you can yeah. but know that that shit's not always there either for sure and like you know i've played so many like diy shows it's like we thought we had this but homie isn't here <laughs> like, yeah all right yeah, sure. <laughs> i got it don't worry <laughs> i have a table i got everything <laughs> just bring it just in case yeah so like when you're doing the stuff with the pedals or you know fucking with the sp like is there improv element to that then like it's not all like calculated exactly None of it's calculated like, oh okay yeah it's all hell yeah all improv like i'll it's just when it feels like a good time to do it i mean there are times where it's like i don't okay let me let me go back it's i wouldn't say it's none of it's calculated if i know i'm about to end a verse i might hit the delay pedal yeah. as we're going into the chorus or something or it's like oh this is a part where i sometimes right. sing let me throw the auto-tune pedal on or here's there's a long intro so i know i'm gonna fuck with the little mfx thing yeah. and glitch it out or whatever but like I, it's not like i practice doing it in those exact moments like the day before or anything like that for sure that also like makes sense of why it's just like easier for you to uh to do it by yourself instead mm -hmm. of trying to incorporate yeah, someone else like, into the mix like there's yeah, just sure like too many variables right yeah it just <laughs> seems like there's too many variables for like someone else to like insert themselves yeah. into it and I think part of it, 
I don't think that I've ever thought about this before, but us just talking about it. I think part of like my comfortability doing that comes from the amount of time I've spent like freestyling on stage with jazz musicians where I like, I know what the song is going to be like. I know the shell and it's up to me to kind of paint within the shell. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Well, yeah, dude, I fuck with the record. Like it's, it's, uh, it's very, I hadn't really like listened to much of it before going to the show that night. And I feel like, maybe it's just like having the experience of actually like seeing a set of yours Mm -hmm. and not just you jumping up on stage at a random show and like seeing this this full set from you was uh maybe helpful i guess like in informing what i was listening to a little bit differently but i also feel like the record like captures the the vibe of uh, Mm -hmm. a live show or like what you're putting into it I appreciate you saying that because I did, I mean, you know, I I did work my ass off to try to make the record as good as possible. Tron worked his ass off to try to make the record as good as possible. Um, All the producers killed it. So, like, I definitely wanted it to stand on its own to where it's like, if you just, like, had no idea who I was and your friend posted it on their story and you clicked on it and you're like, oh, this shit's pretty tight. But. I still think to this day, like the best context to interface with my music is the live show. That's what I just, it's what I feel. It's what I like the most about rapping. Okay. It's what I like the second most. The thing I like the most is writing the songs. Second most is performing live. Um, That's what I think I'm best at. Um, So yeah, I think personally, I think if you, I mean, you know, if you're listening to this, stream my record, buy it on Bandcamp. <laughs> but I think the best way to hear my shit is seeing me do it live because I think it's just the most. It's what it's just what I feel most able to engage with folks doing. Yeah, man, and like I don't know if it's if it's true for you, but I've just had so many artists where, like, I've maybe listened to their music and thought it was like this is cool, and then you like get to see it live and like completely changes how you like frame it it's just like then you can always hear it through that lens of like the live show a hundred percent there's so many artists where i was like oh this is cool i like this and i see it live i'm like oh this is the best shit i've ever heard in my entire life (laughs) and with your shit it wasn't like i listened to it and was just like eh i just like hadn't listened to a lot of your recorded music like i always like dug the shit i heard on you know something you're featured on mm-hmm. on yucks shit and stuff so like yeah. i always like dug it i just didn't have like much reference f- for it except for the times i had seen you freestyle somewhere and, yeah and like yeah the live show just like definitely like helped frame everything Fire. so it was a cool way to like get to see that and then go dive into the record oh so, yeah. yeah yeah and that makes sense like I haven't dropped anything for this since 2019, I don't think. And then also, like, this is the first something something Brax record because it's like after the Breakfast Boys broke up, I changed. I can't be Breakfast Boy Brax anymore without the Breakfast Boys. <laughs> Usually, it doesn't make any sense. Um, so I, I changed it. So it's like the it's it's kind of like I kind of view it as like there's like a four album or two two albums two EP stretch where I started with self help book, ended at um, Sunshine and Lollipops, and so it's like. The, it's like the closing of that chapter and it's like the first in the something something Brax world. It's like, not like I'm like, a, you know, it's, it's still my shit. You know what I mean? It's going to sound like me, but it feels like I, um, 
have a new or uh, it just feels like a different sort of appro- approach to the shit so i'm excited to see where it goes well i uh i'll certainly put all the links in the episode notes so people can uh can keep up with you and find the record and uh this is fucking fun man i appreciate you uh coming through you're the first person that's like ever done this in my little home studio so uh, i appreciate you you coming through and getting to talk with you like i've had i feel like at your album release was the first time you and i ever like actually talk to any extent so it's nice to get to sit down with you and like see where the where the music is coming from and like what the foundation for it is for sure like that that always uh seems to like change my attachment to the music too i think it's like just getting to know more about it like where it's coming from so yeah i appreciate you coming through i appreciate you for having me man i really do absolutely dude we're uh we end every uh episode of the podcast with the guest saying the tagline for the show which is it's a program so if we can get the something something <laughs> brax it's a program you Hell can deliver yeah. it however you would like we don't have any vocal pedals so uh <laughs> i can't do anything like that but you know we can get wild in the pr- in the uh in, in the, the production in the you know? can i quickly say i find it very charming the way you say program oh yeah i i uh you know this is something that i've ripped from someone in my life oh, okay. and then it's uh it, my grandfather like always says well like whenever he's talking about the news he always says news program like he'll say the program like if he's talking about a tv show he says he's, <laughs> the program and it seems like there's just yeah Is he british no no <laughs> but it seems like there's these other folks that i've encountered like maybe of a certain generation that also like say it so huh. it's just like it means absolutely nothing it's just always it's a program. like yeah you you did it you're doing it we're here all right ready for it <laughs> Something, 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 something. It's a program. He nailed it, everybody. That's uh, <laughs> something, something, Brax. Uh, you can find the record, Sunshine and Lollipops, on uh, all the things. The links will be in the episode notes. And uh, I want to play it out with the uh, Dishwashers Union. Woo! The last track. My favorite track. On the record. Favorite track. Yeah, that's the one that started it all. Hell yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, you can find this uh, wherever you listen. And that's the Jelly Jams. And we will catch you on the flip side, Portland, or wherever you are listening from. Peace. Cool, man. That was sick. It's the post rev dishwasher, slick talker, funky as the axe body spray that billowed out of middle school gym lockers. At least that's back in my day. Pissed up at the market, cop a Chico stick on Fridays, rinsing with a can of adrenaline. Touch football in front of chances, house scrape my knees, remove the layers of my innocence. Now tell me, why can't we have lollipops instead of bitter medicine and molly wops? Stutter step my melancholia Daydream advancing through the dahlias Who else was there? All of us I'll put that on my worst fear And face him if I need to I'ma die before I disregard my sweet tooth Ooh. Living life like tiramisu Laugh at omnipresent darkness like Riku But that ain't come easily Two decades plus to cultivate 
What a gorgeous way to culminate A faith based in fate My nervous system now regulates In every single space that I take it Urgently we struggle for security Pile dry precarity Revel in abundance We identified in scarcity Meditate beneath the cherry tree That's covered in chalk marks Silence is a lost art Ghost ride the cop car Urine speaking louder than invictive on occasion and in case you need to chase the day it's great to stay fit tending to the sacred my cheeks are moon burnt two words high stakes blanket statement two cups of oolong dialectics from a futon don't enter my temple with your shoes on staring dumbly at the sun for too long slack jawed and awestruck Build a billion shelters from the sawdust Picking out our splinters Give a fuck about what they call us It's all love, it's all love And our rap song won't ever change the world But I can tell you about a couple that changed me Hey, just want to give a big shout out to Distro Kid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Can't say thank you enough to Distro Kid for their longtime support of this thing. Make sure you go into the episode notes and find that Distro Kid link to receive 30% off your first year of membership, making their already affordable prices even cheaper for you. So make sure you take advantage of that. You can also find the link in my link tree in my Instagram bio. Big thanks to Distro Kid and the other sponsors of the show, Produce Row Cafe and North 45. Stay up, stay tuned.